0: Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Pace. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to
1: It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun.
2: Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? MMA Zing.
1: Radio. Welcome to It's M-Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. And I told you this company deserved this guy's champion. With me as always, DJ Mark. What's up? Also joining me this week, the legend himself. Definitely not despondently looking at his TV occasionally about a football game. I promise I won't say anything else, Mike. I actually hope the Jets turn this around. Lavender Gooms.
0: I'm not going to talk about the Jets tonight either. Um, so I'm gonna move on to more happy things. We have a plethora of good things today on uh, September 11th. Uh, first one is National Make Your Bed Day. Did you guys make your beds? I do every day. Yeah, I the covers. I throw the covers on top.
2: That that works for me.
1: I was gonna say, are we defining it any, by anything more than that? That's. Just, I mean, I'm not,
2: I'm not doing a full <laughs> tuck in. I'm not doing a full tuck in every day, but we're put oh, the covers enough. up okay. there. It's
0: presentable. <laughs> Another another good one today is National Hot Cross Bun Day. Come on, we all played the recorder and we all played hot cross buns, right?
1: Played the clarinet. Sure. You know, it's a, it's a classic you know, I'm a goddamn pro. <laughs> goddamn pro, Mike. But yes.
0: All right. Um, and obviously today, um, September 11th. Um, so hope you guys watch some of the, the memorial that happened. Well, actually, it was. You guys are on the West Coast. There's no way you guys watch that. That would have been pretty early for you guys. Uh, the Memorial Down at the World Trade Center. And besides that, um above above um, 9-11. Uh, happy birthday to my mother, Lydia Sanchez. Um, so yeah, happy happy birthday I, was li- to I was a little Sanchez. late joining you guys as I was over there hanging out with my mother. So
1: well, that's happy fun. birthday, Mom. Yeah. Happy birthday to your moms. Hopefully, I see her when I'm there in a, in a, in a week and a half. Oh, um, you're only here for like four days. So probably. This is really a, I really did some <laughs> poor planning on this trip, brother. There's not a lot of time for anything. Um, To our younger audience, real quickly, not to make this a whole thing on this podcast. Um, Just, you guys ever wonder about what 9-11, September, uh, 2001 changed in this country? I would say everything. Nothing was ever the same. Honest assessment. Mike lives in Manhattan. He has a different view or more like... He was more affected by it probably than Mark or I was. But this forever changed things in this country. And I know I'm not just talking about air travel. But that was a pretty big one. That was, but just to put it in terms, the kids these days vibes changed significantly in this country starting on september 12th of 2001
0: you know what i mean definitely never
1: you know even even on top of that
0: god knows how much money we spent um on uh well that 20 plus year war or however long it was in afghanistan which eventually led us to to iraq yeah so and you know you can imagine all all the uh, things
1: we could have bought with that. we all uh everybody's in favor of freedom and stuff until it gets threatened and all of a sudden the patriot act passes. Anyway, all right ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk about uh to somehow move to a different topic here. Um one of the biggest upsets any of us anybody's ever going to see as of right now, hindsight can always, you know, change the views on things. At the time we thought Frankie Edgar upsetting BJ Penn was a massive upset. Turns out not so much. Sean Strickland who, hand to God, while watching the pay-per-view, I learned his nickname was Tarzan, is the UFC middleweight champion in a five-round drubbing of uh, arguably the second... I mean, not arguably, probably the second greatest middleweight this sport has ever seen. Israel, the last style bender, Adesanya, uh, or Adesanya, or however the correct pronunciation is. We're all doing our best here. Um, Sean... It was simple man he managed his distance he didn't let izzy get off anytime the counter striker wanted to izzy wanted to be a counter striker he was getting hit in the fucking face um about 40 seconds left in the first round he uncorked this right hand that i mean i don't want to scroll back up through our chat mike but i feel i think i just got an angry emoji might have been what you sent me or something like that um i literally started laughing During Izzy getting punched in the face, because I was like, of course, of course this is what's happening. Uh, Second round, if I had to guess, um, I think Sean was maybe trying to make sure he didn't blow his entire wad. Maybe, because that was the only round Izzy won on everybody's scorecards. Uh, Next three rounds, Sean, Sean put him back on the fucking, you know, got back on the bike and three rounds of punching Izzy in the face. And, you know, at the end of the fight. I don't Mark. I was I'm gonna go to you here for a more technical breakdown, but I feel like in those like, you know, with those Poeton fights, there was a point in both of those Poeton fights where Izzy decided, I'm going to stand in front of this man. I'm against the cage. I'm gonna stand in front of him and we're gonna throw. And here we are. And that moment never really came in this one. Um, a lot of reasons to wonder why, but when it was all said and done, Sean Strickland was screaming as in Izzy Adesanya's face as they as the bell rang and we had a new middleweight champion and uh the online garbage fan base of this sports sport celebrated not just them but them in particular really um celebrated this man and uh probably disappointed to find out he actually had a girlfriend because it does not fit his incel vibes marcus um what do you think we saw happen on saturday because while i said it'd be entertaining for these guys to have the, this company to have this man as champion that was a masterful performance. Uh, what did you think?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Izzy had really built, you know, this aura around him of of, of being s- semi-unbeatable, right? I mean, we saw the Alex fight where he was, you know, able to get, you know, defeated. and but, but came back, right, and was able to uh, avenge that loss. And a lot of his knockouts came against, you know, people that were being aggressive. It was his counter-striking that really led a lot of the dances and got a lot of his KOs. And it seemed very natural going into this fight, you know. Um, with Strickland, who moves forward a lot, puts a lot of pressure. That he would be able to find those counter opportunities and knock out him in, in early fashion. I think a lot of people were thinking in the first couple rounds he would be able to find that hole, um, expose him, and get him out of there in, in you know pretty devastating fashion. I think is what a lot of people, you know, myself included, thought would happen in this fight. Now, I think that the main difference between Strickland and a lot of his adversaries that he's you know he was able to do that against like your Costas um, when he did it against Whitaker, and we also did it against Alex in the rematch, is um, those guys came in really heavy, right? In, in those exchanges in the pocket. they were throwing big looping strikes. And Izzy being, you know, a very quick individual himself was able to capitalize, landed counter left hooks, and put all three of those guys down in the pocket um, in those exchanges um, because the other guys were overextending. And you know making big movements where he was able to use his head movement in the pocket to you know exchange find that counter find that kill shot and win the difference with strickland is that he is very tight right and everyone's saying like oh it was so easy it was the one twos he didn't make those little mistakes where he was overextending himself where he was getting off balance where he was leaving big openings and another thing that he does very well is that he stands straight up his eyes are on the opponent He he's managing that distance, like you said, extremely well. So he's dictating when he's going in, when he's going to be able to back up, when the exchanges are happening. And when Izzy is trying to, the second round where he did his best, where I think he started making some of the adjustments, and that left off in the later rounds is when he was leading the dance. And I think that's where he needed to make the adjustment to win this fight. And if they do fight again, I think that's what he'll ultimately have to do. He can't play the counterpuncher against Sean Strickland. He has to be the guy getting off first, doing the pressuring, and throwing a more diverse amount of strikes. I think in this fight, he really wasn't mixing it up as well as I think we know he's capable of. He hasn't, and and that's what I've I've been saying for a while. And, you know, I think I have been fairly, you know, I've come around on Izzy. I would never really personally liked his, like, personality that much. He's always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But when I looked at his kickboxing matches, he looked more of the Anderson Silver of old where he is throwing lots of different strikes and mixing it up really well. And when he's gotten into MMA, he hasn't been quite flowing to that same extent. He's able to, like I said, find these kill shots. He's able to read the opponent, get in the pocket, throw a big left hook, find that one shot and finish it there. And I think in, if they fight again... He's going to to make those adjustments. I think he needs to get off first. He needs because even some of the patterns he was doing, he was doing the same patterns. He liked to throw an inside low kick and then throw a question mark kick. And Strickland just saw it coming. He wasn't mixing it up enough. He wasn't going to the body enough. He wasn't punching to the body enough. And with the defense that Strickland has with the Philly shell, and they talked about it in the booth, there's lots of things that you can do to try to exploit that. Now, Strickland... Because of how much time he puts on the mat and in sparring, has been able to figure out a lot of the defensive P's and Q's that he needs to do to not fall into those traps. Because you look at a few other fighters that use that same style, you look at King Mo, he tried to use the Philly shell as well. He got exposed multiple times because there's (laughs) ways to basically lead guys into that. And I think one of the combos we've seen guys use really well that would work against someone with a Philly shell is that like right straight, right, high kick after because guys guy slipped the punch because that's what you're using with the Philly shell you have one hand up to defend your punches and your shoulder rolling so you're using a lot of head movement so kicks to the head if you can set them up and you can angle a guy to slip one way and then throw a kick that way there's lots of ways to start navigating that defensive posture to start getting strikes to land and Izzy just wasn't doing it right I think Izzy was really banking on One, just being able to find that shot, just like Alex was against his fight, being able to find that left hook. And then when that wasn't materializing, he was forcing it, right? Like we saw, I think it was like in the third round, he was throwing really hard, fast strikes to try to break, to try to like beat him to the punch. And it's really hard with a guy like Sean who's controlling the distance and who is extremely focused, right? Like in this fight, he didn't have like that fear that I think a lot of his opponents has where they're scared like, okay, if I make a mistake here, I'm going to get caught. He knew like, look. I think he went to this fight. I'm going to get caught. I'm going to get hit. I'm probably going to lose this fight, but I'm going to stay focused. I'm going to follow what works for me in the gym. And he stayed to that game plan and won the fight that way.
1: Yeah. Do you remember uh, we were talking last week and I said, and this isn't me patting myself on the back because we were all wrong. Like, let's just be clear about this. But I said, he needs to not, he needs to go out there and do what, what makes him win fights. Don't do this bullshit. where like all of a sudden Jan Blachowicz decides he's a fucking, you know, all-American wrestler, and he gets tired after one round of trying to take a guy down. You know, like, do what gets you there, and if it fails, it fails. Like, you fight the way you fight. You have a style. And he did his style to a fucking T. Um, Mike. This reality we're all living in right now, where this guy's champion. Um, X and O's aside. I guess, what do you make of it? I mean, because I'm sitting here thinking... I don't think he ever recovered from the first punch, is he, to be honest? I don't think he ever fully recovered. Um, He kind of looked like he was moving slow a lot of the night. I mean, Sean Strickland himself was like, I kept wondering. He pretty much was like, I was waiting for Israel Adesanya to show up, more or less is what he was saying. Because he's like, he wasn't even trying to talk shit where he said, I I thought this would be harder. Because he literally is like, like, he felt like he was fighting an amateur, like... What do you think happened out there? We're all guessing, but what did you think happened?
0: Well, I read the comments, so I just assumed it was with the normal Sean Strickland being an asshole that he said it the. It really comment. came
1: off as he was just like he was seemed as surprised as we are that he's middleweight champion. To be honest.
0: Well, so first of all, I do want to give Sean Strickland his props because I remember thinking even in the first round before the before the for the punch. I remember thinking, "Wow, he is applying a lot of pressure to Izzy. Izzy has his his back foot basically almost against the cage. He that was basically the whole fight. Um, and I thought mm, this this doesn't seem like a, like a good uh good idea. Um, but I don't think it has as much to do with that after the after that punch he wasn't the same because Sean Strickland was having a successful game plan even before um, that punch, which is why he was able to get that knockdown in the first round. So, was Izzy probably compromised more after that fight? I mean, after that punch? I don't know. He would have to be the one to tell us if he was concussed or not. But, based off how Izzy was even fighting in that first round, it seemed like this was going to be the outcome in the fight. Um, I don't know if it's because of the tactics Sean Strickland had, if he was just afraid to fire off. But Izzy did seem tentative throughout the whole fight. Um, and to your other question about where does this leave us now with Sean Strickland as as champion, uh, you joked about it. I think at the beginning of this podcast, you joked about it last week. And I think throughout the week, um, last week, um, this is the champion the UFC deserves. I'm not even sure dana white is mad at sean circling being champ uh i mean it's it's a man after his own
1: heart he has to be no honestly that's the that was their best pay-per-view draw who just got put down that was their best but let's think about it this way bobby um where does the ufc go
0: from here they have a tried and true mega champion now this is the one they they hope it could be kobe but this is the one all right because granted granted I know we've had some other UFC champions uh, and reckless speculation on this point i will just throw that out there in case any of them actually do listen to us. I don't want to get sued but I know we've had some other champions that have cozied out to warlow warlords in the past and Been supporters of Trump. I'm talking about you Kamaru Usman, but Fox News has their champion all right, And not some little, fa- not some little fake interim chap. Sean Strickland is going to be a star for
1: half of this country. I don't... I'm not going to sit here and try to defend Sean Strickland entirely. I don't view him as that, necessarily. I don't view him as like... Maybe he is. And I'm sure he is. Okay? And I've noticed... I noticed also, I kind of got to try to get into this a little bit on Sunday. People like this dude. And it's not just like... There's something about the online fan base in this sport at this point that you got a lot of disaffected young men. And I called it the incel community, Mark, and I, I'm i going to go ahead and stick with that. But I feel a lot of these people see something in Sean that they they like. They like that he's basically a...
2: He, he kind of comes out. I don't know. As... I, I, I
1: get the impression. Honestly, I get the impression with him, and, and I'm comparing him to Kobe here, and it's not because of the MAGA thing, where I felt like with Kobe, Kobe has never gotten the type of support because if it, it, you can kind of tell he was putting on an act. And I don't think this guy's putting on an act. I looked into, like, he grew up just getting physically and mentally abused, and he's not all – he appears to be something wrong with – I mean, there's something wrong with all these dudes. They're fighting in a cage. But something's not totally – right with him i don't know i feel like he really speaks to a lot of people and i don't think he's for me i he obviously isn't for me i don't think he's this i i'm not saying he's gonna be a star for half the country like mike is but i do think there's something there where the online mma fan base seems to maybe entertain him a little bit i don't know i don't know what i'm saying here to be honest mark help me out
2: well i mean i I think he he, there is some appeal to him he kind of has a everyman kind of appeal where you know, I think it's it's like it's like the everyman blue collar guy that kind of is against some of the, the the social changes, right? Or some of the things where it's like, okay, like you know, how is a man supposed to act and what is a man supposed to like, you know? And it, it, you can look at. You know, the lead up to this fight and Sean saying like, oh, this guy likes anime porn. He paints his nails. He's not a real man. Like this division needs a real man. And I do think there's some of the fan base that agrees with that because I think, like I just said, and not for those things. I mean, for me, there's always been a personality thing with Izzy that I haven't liked. I don't care that. He likes hint hentai or anime or paints. his... Like none of that stuff bothers me. There's just something about his personality that rubs me the wrong way.
1: Is he comes off as a prick sometimes? Well, yes, yeah, that's kind. Of, kind of, I
2: that's for me. It comes. He I mean, comes off as a prick.
1: this is way worse. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then
2: other people don't like because he paints his nails or has the has these other interests that that upset him, right? So there's there's a there's a part of the fan base that. Also, don't like Izzy. And then maybe they do like Strickland because it's like, oh, this is a man's man. He likes guns. You know, he's a wilder. You know, he he speaks his mind. Um, and for me with Strickland, because I don't listen to everything he says, for the most part, he kind of comes off as like self-deprecating. He kind of knows he's he's got a screw loose. He's kind of weird. And he says some weird stuff. And for the, for me, for the most part, he doesn't cross that line where I find him like offensive or intrusive but then he will say something like he says like the Chinaman and it's like okay now you went one Dude, step Dude you, too you far. described
1: this so well earlier today when you said he's he goes a little too far every time. Like yeah. if he ends everything like two sentences before I'd be like this clowns kind of entertaining
2: uh, that's Cause kind of funny because because he has yeah, a way kind of, of pre- presenting himself where he's not i don't I don't feel like he presents himself to like holier than than Val, like where he's like, 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 okay, these are my opinions, and they are like the right opinions. and this is how everyone should act. He's kind of like, this is my opinion, and I'm kind of fucked up, right? Like I had a really rough childhood that kind of screwed me up. I'm a cage fighter, you know, this, that, and the other. And he comes he kind of comes off self-deprecating. So when he says something that's kind of like, where it's skirting the line. I'm just kinda of like, okay, you know, given everything that I know about him, fine. But then he will just say that one thing that kind of like goes over and it's like, okay, well that's too far for me personally. I did enjoy I did
0: his I did enjoy his line in the press conference when mm-hmm. Izzy got into it with uh Manual Cop, where he just says, Hey, calm down. I'm supposed to be the asshole
2: right, here. Right, right.
0: <laughs>
1: dude these guy's kind of funny isn't and i will he
2: just goes too far i will <laughs> say this one thing and this is like i i was telling christine this and she didn't quite see it like there's something about how he speaks it's more of his tenure not what he's saying and that's why I said, not what he's saying his tenure of voice sounds like my uncle who's like a really nice guy like it's just like his, the, the <laughs> gravitas of his voice like so i always hear my uncle in there so it does kind of soften some of the dude he bullshit. gets like self-deprecating too this guy has like
1: no filter yeah. To a point that obviously he says some shit he shouldn't say. But other times he's just like, yeah, man, I don't know. I might get knocked it, out. did he's like, I'm supposed to wrestle, but the CTE kicks in. And you're it, like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> and then, I mean,
2: I, I th- it seems like, at least in these press conferences, like it seemed like the Australian fan base kind of got behind him, which was weird because he's kind of going in their, their, their backyard. But he does kind of have that manly man kind of – persona that might resonate was it was hard to tell if they were like you know jeering or bearing whatever but I, I think to your point Bob like yeah Izzy is a big star because he's gotten all these fantastic KOs and he his, I mean he's on the cover of things that they're using him for marketing and while I definitely think this loss you know definitely hurt his star power I mean look at it it didn't help when he lost to Alex as well they did I think they gained I think the UFC also sees like we've gained someone in Sean Strickland like look Is Sean Strickland going to be a dominant champion? Like, is he? I'd be way more shocked if that happened than what he was able to pull off. I think and I also want to say, like, and we mentioned it before, like, I've always appreciated him as a fighter. Like, his style is very unique. It's so interesting he's been able to adapt this defensive Philly Shell style into MMA. He's the only guy I've seen that's been able to do it nearly as successful so I, 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 we've always mentioned that like it's a miracle he's not getting
1: his shit rock left and yeah right. like i don't understand how he's pulled it.
2: eric nixick is fucking coach of the year no matter what happens yeah. i don't care he there's a lot of things off. about how he fights that i do appreciate <laughs> and, that, and that's all great i don't think he's going to be a long dominant champion but what they did garner here is someone who, i think his star power definitely rised obviously right this was a huge fight a huge upset and i think going forward we're going to see him in more main events, right? His last fight was a main event against Ho Hum. Who knew who he was? No one cared. It was a horrible card. Yeah, but that was
1: in front. He hasn't fought in front of, this is the first time fighting in front of people. Right, like but a, I feel like years. Bobby,
2: we might see more of these kind of events. In case,
0: in case you're wondering, the guy was Abusupyan Magomedov, who does not even have a Wikipedia, Wikipedia page. page. Yeah,
2: I know. I lost twenty bucks betting on a guy with a Wikipedia page. In the future, we might see more <laughs> events like that, and that might become more standard practice because now he's a bigger star. Right, like he wasn't even that big of a star when he fought this. This guy we didn't have, we didn't really know about. So I think the UFC will understand. Like, look, we lost some of the we lost a big star and some of their star power. Now maybe I think Izzy goes back. They, they he can regain honestly, some of this.
1: I don't know why I said they care. These people yeah. are
2: fucking printing money. Oh they're no, they're
1: failing upwards. Like the, 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 tomorrow morning, the new stock TKO comes out, where Endeavor or combination of UFC and WWE worth twenty one billion
2: dollars is hitting the stock market. They've never been. You know, ones to really want anyone to become too big. Now, I think they liked Izzy a lot because dude's a fucking workhorse for the company. He's on pay-per-views every, like, you know, two, three months or so. So, it's like, okay, this guy, and it doesn't seem like he makes huge waves asking for a lot of money and all this stuff. So, he's kind of a company He just wants to fight. He just wants to fight. Let me get Mike in on this. Mike,
1: um, people like, I mean, Coach Behrman, one of the best coaches in MMA, Izzy's coach, Volt's coach. Um, said that he thinks just a small adjustment and Izzy can win a rematch. And quite frankly, I mean, my, my, what I pick later is going to fly in the face of a lot of this. But I do think Izzy can win a rematch, obviously. I think Izzy is the best striker in this weight class. Best striker this weight class has seen since the Spider. Like, he's excellent. I don't think he should fight anybody for until, like, at least six months minimum. Why,
0: uh, why do you say that?
1: He's fought... F- Four times in the last 14 months, four title fights. The only I, they lean on these city cut kickboxing guys, him and Alex, more so than they do anybody else. Man, they really like their people. They 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 have all these champions, and they p- put pressure on them to all fight. And we have one champion, the only guy who there hasn't been a new champion in one weight class in the last 14 months, and that's Alex Volkanovski. Some of that is the pace we're putting on these guys. I don't think is, is he, and I know Sean has fought five times in the same time frame, but training for an Apex fight against Nassar Adin Imovav or Abu Magomedov is not the level of strain and work. I mean, Sean can tell you himself how much he worked for this fucking title fight. Like, I don't think him coming back in three months and them running it back. I don't know, man. I feel I'm seeing Izzy Adesanya fight a lot. I see I'm fighting Alex. I'm seeing Alex Wilkanovsky fight a lot. I'm seeing some of these guys fight a lot. And they have nine champions. Or I don't know what's going on with women's phantom weight. They have a lot of champions. He's not the champion. Um, I don't think he should come back soon. Do you agree with me? If you think he should come back and let's get let's run this back in December, feel free, bro. I'm This is my opinion. I don't think he should come back for a while.
0: So the reason why I don't think he should... One, I mean, I, I agree with you on your point. Um, I didn't realize he had fought that much in the last uh, year and a little bit of change um but even besides that, I'm okay with immediate rematches when you are a long-term champion, you lose your belt I'm okay with an re- immediate rematch in that aspect. for example, when he lost to pajeda where you know he was uh, he was winning um the, the the rounds, but you know he got he got knocked out he never case, lost in that
1: weight class at the time.
0: Yeah, and in this case, this was a drubbing outside of round two. Um, I think the fight before this was when he regained the title.
1: Yeah, when he he, he KO'd Alex back in February, April back in. in April. So,
0: so at this point, even outside of the fact that he's fought so much, well, now he's not a long-running champion. He just won the bout in mm-hmm. his last fight. Um. So in my opinion, no, he doesn't deserve to just get an immediate rematch. He should fight one fight before getting another shot at at the title. And I think that this would be an opportunity to see an interesting new middleweight. Dana um, wants him to
1: fight for the fight. title again. Well, there we are. <laughs> there goes all. Dude, I I don't <laughs> think he should fight anybody, honestly. I look, I don't disagree with you also, but he's if he wants a rematch, they'll give him a fucking rematch. Um do you think there's the slightest fucking chance Drickus Duplicy is getting a title shot next to no. Sean Strickland? I, no, no, no. By the way, um, let me let me back up and talk about how we got to this point, by the way, which is a level of promotional malpractice, I think, that is comical at times, okay? So Izzy Adesanya wins this belt back, right? And Izzy Adesanya wins the belt back, and he's like, hey, I really want to whip Drickus' ass. Right? UFC books Drickus versus Bobby Knuckles, or has it booked? And everybody's like, why is Drickus fighting Bobby Knuckles two months before they're going to Australia? Why the fuck is this happening? This is not necessary. Let's just book Drickus versus Bobby Knuckles. Because as all of this isn't like Monday morning quarterbacking, Mike, because people can listen to this podcast. All three of us were saying, there are no one else, there's no one else for him to fight. This is who he needs to fight. Like Sean was. On a Sean has also lost a canoneer, I think, even like he sean is ranked like six or whatever. But he lost a cannoneer. You know, he had nothing going on. Like, Dricas is clearly the opponent. We're going to Australia in September. Fucking put it on the books, right? Like, what are we doing? And they're like, no, it's fine. They'll fight in July. Dricus and, and uh, Robert Whitaker, because we need them on that fight card for international fight week. And you know what? no problem we can have you know maybe volk can turn around in two months and fight fucking you know um they wanted volk to fight Taporia in australia instead and you know we can do volk and izzy and drickus later well volk couldn't fight in two months notice because volk is a goddamn these are professional mma fighters fighting in title fights they can't fight on two week months notice necessarily you know they're not like not how this works so drickus fights bobby knuckles Said so much of racial shit for a year leading up to it. Somehow decides he's not racist, whatever. Drickus says he can't prepare for Whitaker in two months, or I don't know. I can't prepare for Izzy in two months. So the UFC is like, "Fuck, what do we do? UFC tries looking for any other option. uh, Izzy's saying, give me Sean Strickland. UFC is telling Izzy, and this is what they told him, we don't think we can sell that fight as competitive. It's what they tell Izzy Adesanya, okay? They try to book Hiri Prohatska versus Alex Pereira for this card. Those guys aren't ready. They're asking other champions if they can fight in fucking Australia. Those guys aren't ready. They begrudgingly book this fight. Okay. They're already talking at the pre fight stuff about how Drickus Mike, they told Drick, they were saying Drick uh, blew it by not taking this fight. And Dana's like, I don't like it when guys turn down fights, you know. Fucking a guy can't take a fight on two months' notice. Alright. Alright. That was before the fight. They're already talking how Kamzat and Paulo Kamzat uh, gets a title shot if he wins, maybe. This is before the fight. Now Sean Strickland is champion. I have a better chance of getting a middleweight title shot than Dricus Dipulusi. Next. Drick is gonna have to fight somebody, man. I don't know who that is, Mark. Who's Drick is gonna fight? Because there's no way he's getting a title shot. Who do you have to fight after you've beaten Robert after you've knocked out Robert Whitaker? How do you maintain your spot? I don't even know what uh, this guy's supposed to do. I
2: mean, Cannoneer, I guess. Cannoneer's ready. Um, he was the replacement fight for this. Cannoneer beat Strickland, um, but I think who did Cannoneer just lose to? Because I thought he actually did. He he beat Marvin. So I mean, I think you looked
1: great. Cannonier yeah. looked like Cannoneer finally. So Cannoneer, I think I, Cannoneer Strickland did what Cannoneer did, and Strickland went and fought like himself. Cannoneer fought. I don't get. I won't get knocked out by Izzy for five rounds fight. Right. So I think I think Maybe. that
2: fight makes sense. I don't know who else is out there um that's kind of at that level because he beat whitaker right and and is so is the is the the consensus here he's not getting the shot because dana's so upset that he had this foot injury and couldn't do this australian one because i was he injured or was he actually hurt or i thought he he said he he had a foot injury i mean whether you believe it or not i mean that's up to to your discretion. i'm not saying
1: i don't believe him i just like they were acting like there's people saying he said he couldn't get ready in two months which I thought I it was. Know, he, I thought he, he, said up, he, he had. He beat, he beat. He doesn't exactly fight a style which is finesse.
2: Like, of course, he got hit and beat up in his fight. You know the way Drickus fights. Like, yeah. I mean, so the for whole me, concept in this whole thing is ridiculous. Personally, Drickus and Strickland makes a lot of sense. But the, the the seeing the winner of Kamzat and Costa. I mean, mostly for me, it's like if Kamzat wins, then I really want to see him potentially fight for the title. I think that's interesting. But I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day. I do feel like this shakeup is interesting. I mean, for a lot of reasons. I mean, it's, it's, it's one in and of itself, what I think a lot of people, what I was reading a lot on Saturday night was like, whoa, isn't MMA crazy? Like, this is why you watch it sometimes. It's because like we think we have a pre preconceived notion of what's going to happen, and a lot of times it does right. There, there's reasons why the odds are the way they are. A lot of fights you can look at and break down and kind of get a good handle on what's going to happen, but there is a sizable margin of error and flexibility and unknowingness of like what potentially can happen in a fight because it is a fight. You know, you in other sports you can hit a home run, you can make a mistake. There's a lot of time left in the game to circumvent that. There's a lot of time in a season not to lose a championship. You know, in a title fight, you make one mistake, it's done, it's over, you lost the belt, right? And things can change on a dime. And I think that makes the sport really interesting. And middleweight had gotten a little stagnant. Um, and now this really opened the. He was the lapping
1: doors. the weight class. Now right. we are. And, and now it's kind of like class.
2: And now it's kind of like, well, you know, I think Izzy needs to earn his way back up. And I I, I agree with that too. Like, I want to see him in some. One, I agree with you, Bob. Let's give him some time. Let's have him heal, you know, and just get off this cycle of, like, constantly going after it. Because, like, look, he, he did it. He was doing great. But he's had some rough fights at this point, right? Like, he got he got whomped by Alex in, in a tough five-round fight. And then in, in the rematch, you know, he also, I mean, he might have been playing possum a little bit. But he took some damage in that fight, too. And then this fight, he really just didn't look like himself. So I think he needs some time off. And to just get... You know what? Make, Dr- Make Drickus fight him. Is look he? Book it in six months. Yeah, Rick I mean can th- that, that would six, also. He was as six months. That would also go. be interesting. So yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's, you know, it, whatever you think of Strickland's personality, obviously have your opinions. That's totally fair. The guy, he he, he does he what he He already broke does. the belt. He already he broke his belt. I mean, and then that video was funny, right? Like, <laughs> that's like, like, it, it's one thing where you kind of just like slap yourself, like Jesus, look at this country bumpkin. Like this is, and, and it's also like his indifference to like he even said before the fight, like I don't care about the belt. Like like his challenge here is like I want to fight the best and prove I'm the best fighter because like. You can tell he he really has like a love for the sport of fighting, like, and it goes beyond just like, oh, I like to compete and get in front of everybody and and have all like, Dude, dudes he's in not, the gym. No doubt, he loves he loves fighting. Whether he's in the gym sparring with a guy or he's in that cage with you, like, he just likes that moment where it is just two guys fighting each other. So, um, you know, there's something to to appreciate in that. Um, but yeah, so it's interesting. You know, I think there's a lot of options here. I think there are a lot of interesting options. Um, and it kind of makes the division exciting again. So I don't hate it, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah,
1: dude, it's uh you know what? Alex was losing three one, I think, on every scorecard when he knocked out yeah, Izzy in the fifth mm-hmm. round. But for the fact that he beaten him in kickboxing, a lot of people would just be like, Well, he fucking, you know, got lucky, right? Like that would be mm-hmm. if it wasn't for the fact number. that he beaten him. Yeah. But Sean beat his ass. I, it, it honestly reminded me of the Anderson versus Chael first fight in that, and maybe I remember this. I remember this because we were there. First round, they're standing there. Anderson gets Anderson gets fucking clubbed, and uh, that's not why it reminds me as much as it was a slow. It was a it was a nonstop ass whooping. He let. I mean, Anderson pulled it out of the fire, but for Anderson pulling it out of the fire in the last two minutes. It was the same way. That was a one-sided, we didn't see this coming. This fucking middleweight showed up and took this all-time great down. Like, that was so impressive, man. I mean, I, again, said they deserve him as champion because this is, I mean, you running the no-playbook playbook, you know, the no-game-plan playbook the UFC was running mm-hmm. this whole time. Sometimes shit happens, and here we are. Um, Man. Uh I don't know. I don't I mean this sport's fucking it's all everything is fucking you're on a razor's edge man. Fucking these little gloves and all the different ways you can lose. Sports wild. I don't know. This is uh you know I'm very That was interested. certainly something.
0: I'm very interested to hear Izzy have an interview on this fight um at some point in the future. I don't know if he'll be doing that anytime soon but you almost have to think something
1: had to have been up, right? Like Oh, Mike, Mike, this is transitional material, Mike. Because you and me were talking earlier. Cause let me tell you, the tin foil hat people, get on your tin foil. Get put on the hats. Because Draft I, kings. I don't mean that, but I know, but, but let's have some fun. Okay. Draft Kings. Um so just as me escape, explaining gambling and how this works, we talk about gambling every week on this podcast, but a lot of times the sports book will boost a betting line. In which they will move the odds to try to entice people to use their sportsbook and make a bet. And maybe while you're there, you'll make a couple other bets too, right? And they'll do stuff like, okay, instead of this person being a minus 300 favorite, they're only a minus like 150 favorite or, you know, a plus 100 or whatever, right? And that entices you to bet on them. And there's always a cap on how much you can bet on these things apparently, um, which is good because if not, there'd be a lawsuit happening right now, Mike. Um, So DraftKings, the official betting partner of the Ultimate Fighting Championship, boosted the odds on Israel Adesanya from, I think they had him at minus 650, from minus 650 to plus 100, meaning they moved it from a bet where you had to bet $650 to win $100 on Israel Adesanya to, if you bet $100, you won $100. Now... In the scenario where Izzy is a minus 650 favorite, people in their right mind do not bet on minus 650s or unless they're just throwing it in a parlay, right? Nobody is – I mean unless you're that psychopath who bet like $2 million or whatever that thing was, you know, that weird bet they announced on the thing. I mean, it was like 200000 or something to yeah, Don't do that. Yeah, okay. People don't do that, okay? I believe like, Drake bet five hundred
0: K for Izzy to KO. Th- oh, I
1: certain. know. I'm going to complain about that in a minute. Okay. But um, so what happened was a lot of people, because they could get Israel out of at plus one hundred, bet on Israel out of Now, people who don't trust uh, fight sports, which is a well reserved deserved reputation, Mark, if we're being honest about fight sports. Sure. It's been plenty of fixed fights, plenty of fixed fights in this sport too. Um, we had a fucking betting scandal with James Krause fucking six months ago, right? right? So, and I would never accuse Israel out of of anything like this. I'm just having some fun here. I'm talking about the tinfoil hat people. The man has 100 professional fights between kickboxing and MMA. By the way, maybe that was a factor in this. Um, But people are saying, so let me get this straight. The official betting partner of the UFC moves the odds from minus 650 to plus 100. A fuckload of people bet on this guy, and then they lose. And then, you know, they're laughing all the way to the bank, huh? In one of the most ridiculous upsets anybody had ever seen? Just saying, the tinfoil hat people had a good night, Mike. Huh? They had a good night with this.
0: <laughs> I am so happy I didn't see that boost because I'm a sucker for a good boost and I would have bet so much money on it. Dude, that.
1: if I knew about it, I would have messaged you and say, Mike, whatever you're betting, put twice that for me. Okay. I would have, if my book had that, I would have emptied everything I had on Izzy, Izzy at Easeman Money. Oh my God. Oh my God. I would have bet everything I had every single fucking thing um yeah whoo what a thing i huh, Mike? what are we what a what a world we are in this sport huh they must Sometimes. have been getting no
0: action on izzy like none the, at all for that mgm i think i put it there
1: i think mgm 100. said 80 to 85 percent of the handle was on strickland because why would you bet on izzy at minus 650 yeah. why would you well i let me tell you what i did bet and I feel every sports book needs to have a rule, which is if Drake publicly posts his bet, you should be allowed to cash out, no matter what your bet is. <laughs> because when I saw Drake bet, bet $500,000 on Izzy by KO, me, holding a Izzy by KO betting slip thought, oh, the vibes are off. We're fucked. It's, this
2: money's and you gone.
0: Know, <laughs> it's not even like this is one of those things where, oh, well, I think we're just making it a much to do about nothing. It, and we obviously don't know the bets that he wins. Um, like, you know, because, you know, I'm assuming those aren't the only bets he makes. But Fuck you, Aubrey, it does seem a dis very big disproportionate amount of the bets he
1: posts, the man loses. And they're always like big ass favorites, too. Like he's the biggest fucking jinx in gambling. Why is he still gambling? <laughs>
0: Yeah, the, the band the band's got buddy. Hey, like, like Charles
1: Barkey once said, it's only a problem if you don't have it. You know, like they don't let you cash out everything on my book. I'm not sure if every book lets you do that, but I'm I swear to God, the second I saw that, I'm like, okay, can I fuck I can't. Alright, we're losing this. This is over. God damn it. Um Hey, touchdown jets. Mike's celebrating. Um all right. Um so rest of this card. Bam bam toivasa man. Put up a fight mark. He looked like he yeah. was a little thinner too, but he got Ezekiel choked, right? So <laughs> yeah. we're yeah, gonna go did. much faster here. It's 42 minutes in. Um this had no business being the co-main event. I did like the, I did feel that Ty put a a lot of times I feel Ty's not taking this shit seriously, but I do think he did. And I think he just got beat. Honestly. That was my assessment. What did you think?
2: Yeah, I mean uh, Alexander Volkov like almost looked like Schelt out there, how like how he was using his jab Um, using the kicks. He Uh, fights tall. It's wonderful. Yeah. Like like we thought he would. Right. Um, But you know, Ty asserted himself the best he could. He could not find the head. Right. It just like he was not able to navigate that distance. So he really tried with the low kicks. They were having some success for him, but it just it just wasn't enough. You know, uh, Alexander was countering off them really well with with straight punches, using his own kicks um, and was able to then start getting tied to the ground. And that's where you saw the big difference. And yeah, finished it Um, from Mount with an Ezekiel choke, which is, you know, a a fairly rare choke, especially in MMA, because it's something that you see a lot in Gi because you can it's basically a choke where you have one arm behind the guy's neck and the other arm in front. And with a Gi, you can really get a good grasp on um, when you're a guy like Alexander Volkanovsky and you have these extremely long limbs. You can also get Ezekiel. So it's not impossible. It's just something you see in uh, a Gi uh, jiu-jitsu a lot more often because they can kind of have those those handles to really to to, uh, to grab onto. But yeah, t- t- tough loss for Ty. Um, but also, you know, not too surprising. We, Ty's a great guy. He's fun. He's a big heavy hitter, but he got up as high as he did in the ranks because he fought other brawlers. And like, look, if you're going to brawl with this dude, he's got a good I, shot. I didn't love the, the
1: matchmaking, game. to be honest.
2: Mm. Let's if we're gonna book him,
1: let's book brawlers, man. We're in Australia. Let's book him with the brawl. They did well with the other two Australian like, cats. Yeah, I
2: think those ones they really matched up to have some fun fights, which made the card interesting. But yeah, I was like, oh this man, one I, was thought, be I
1: tough. thought going, I thought we were gonna get out of this thing like in an hour and forty five minutes. Yeah, we're going into like the it. main event. I'm like, I'm like, all right, Izzy, let's take it. Now, honestly, even when Strickland yeah. hit him, I'm like, shit, we might be done right now. Either way, yeah. like, let's let's be done. Um, Manel Cobb uh, made a real spectacle of himself this week. And uh, put a cherry on top of it by uh, dropping the um, F word, not fuck, the one refer- the derogatory term for homophobics. The homophobic, one that we won't for say. For, <laughs> the one we won't say. The one for, um, for gay folk. Um, what the he, Brits call a cigarette. True. Yeah, bundle of one. sticks. It went with that. <laughs> um, he apologized after. Um, you hope it was a mistake. And now, let's remember. Wait one here, second, Bobby. Mike. Oh one my second.
0: bad, my bad, my bad. Okay.
1: I thought you forgot. Um it was the second time that evening someone dropped one. The other one was Mr. Charles Radke, Charlie Radke or Charles Radke, who also apologized. Uh you gotta just hope that these guys were in the heat of the moment and they said something they shouldn't have said, and hopefully they don't use they don't continue to use these words in uh at all let alone in public um on television <laughs> i don't uh i like being a fan of this sport and as much as we do all this stuff like let's try to like we all complain about this stuff let's try to maintain a small modicum of decorum here mark huh
2: it's like a i'm not asking for much uh, like well, let's I mean, try to keep the slurs ultimately to it was just like he just had a fantastic fight he had a yeah. fight of the night fight it was so fun to watch um, I mean, part of that, too, was Felipe Dos Anjos had, had a great coming out party. He really gave... Yeah,
1: that dude, that, that dude for a UFC debut showed up to fucking fight. Yeah. He like, really, he was ready to go. He really <laughs>
2: gave Manel Kepp a, a lot of things to work against. And Mikel Kepp came back... F- I mean, look, I love this fight. This was such a fun fight because Dos Anjos, anytime he cracked camp, he fired right back. Like, it was instantaneous. Like, he would get him with a good couple shots. Like, oh, shit, he's in trouble. Oh, no. He stayed in, like, some of these exchanges in the pocket where he's slipping and countering. And I mean, like, this was just, oof, what a fun fight. It's so at the end of the fight, I'm like, oh man, like, that was great. This guy had a great coming out party. Um, Manel Camp looked great. I, I really, I mean, oh, look. Oh, by the
1: way, happy birthday to Felipe dos Santos, who turned 23 today on September yeah, 11th.
2: I mean, not it, bad, not it, bad. 23 fucking years old, by the way. If you're going to lose a fight, lose it like that, dude. Like, because I know who the fuck you are now. So the next time he fights, yeah. it's not going to be, here's another Brazilian guy I can't remember. I couldn't pull out of a lineup. Like, oh, this is the guy that. Went went to war with Camp and gave him some fucking trouble and you know so then you know and then okay we have this fantastic fight Camp wins the fight and then even this heat he has with Kai Car France like I'm still digging it for the most part oh it's we're like,
1: booking that fight for it's 100%. like oh
2: there's a lot of he he's still he's still angry at this guy he wants yeah. and I understand why like when you look at what. Manel Camp has kind of gone through in the UFC with all these fight cancellations. And again, like, I think he pulled out of a fight, too. But I think other fighters have pulled out. You know, he's he's got calling, five canceled bouts. Yeah, he's calling everyone out in the division. No one wants to fight me. Everyone's scared of me. This guy finally – and look at, like, we know what happened with Kai Kaikar France. He got a concussion. The right move is not to have your fight. Like, the, the, the correct outcome came out here. But obviously, he's upset. And – all this heat he's building, I'm like, cool. This is great. You had a great performance, a fantastic fight. You're getting all this heat with this guy. You know, uh, Kaikar France is in the audience. He's feeling it, too. It's like, oh, we're we're, we're built up. And then he drops the F-bomb. And it's like, oh, dude, you just you just crapped all over this. My first thought was like, say goodbye to that bonus check. No way you're getting fight of the night. Do you know what, Samark? You know, know how many fucking comments?
1: Do you know how many people I saw comment my new favorite fighter?
2: Oh, I mean, because I mean, there's a lot of racist and big That's why I mean, man, yeah.
1: the online community in this sport yeah.
2: horrible, so, which I mean, is
1: sad considering that's what built this sport. Um, so
2: it's one of those things where it's like, I, you know, so that happened. And I was like, OK, great. He just he tarnished a great victory. Way to go, dude. You just shit all over yourself like a big baby. Um, and then I find out he gets fucking fight of the night. And I'm like, of course, this company wouldn't care. And even if it wants to look at dosan uh dos santos give him the fucking check he came in on short notice against a highly touted guy and put on a fucking performance in a losing effort um and fine you want to give manel camp fight of the night because it was a great fight you know it was just it was an awesome fight to watch you gotta you gotta hit these guys i hope
1: they yeah i hope they waited for him to apologize to give it to him i'll just say that i mean look this look if they're gonna consistently say they don't regulate what people say on this in this thing by the way Nate Diaz talks about the time he got a thirty-day suspension. Yes. for that was one of that was hilarious. Nate got a thirty-thousand-dollar susp- uh, fi- fine for using that same word yes. with Brian Caraway. The only saving Nate, grace, Nate knows he shouldn't have said it. Yeah, um, you
2: know. the only saving grace was DC immediately when he said, it, "He's like, we're done." He just walked the DC fuck off. DC is just he's like, like me, "I'm, not I'm getting out of here, this, dude." What the shout hell? out,
1: Laura Sanko, best commentator oh. in the UFC. Shine bright, dude. In this thing, not man. only
2: did she do good, she put DC on check and is like, "Look." You're with a fucking professional now, okay? It's not the Joe Rogan jerk-off fest. We're gonna have a Joe Rogan? Rogan
1: was on back on his podcast blowing Putin, and then you know one of his fucking one of his friends was like, "Why would you become a Putin apologist?" Because Rogan was talking about how everything the Russians grow is organic, and it's like, who gives a fuck? anyway? Let's side note: right. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, uh, the so uh, other folks, uh, Justin Lane, Justin Tafa, Tyson Pedro, did some knocking out. Anto- Anton Turco Turcolge, the uh, the pleasure man <laughs> yeah, one of I my favorite like nicknames it. in MMA excellent <laughs> he's um, got a lot of
2: attitude i like it he's got the dance and the moves but he also ultimately yeah, got I, just, I, the I had a good time with yeah, so. that so. moves nickname um, like
1: the pleasure man by the way um john Mcdessey is on his third ufc tv deal espn mm-hmm. fox fucking spike if you've been for there for this many tv deals you should not have to fight anymore you should be living a comfortable life <laughs> just putting that out there um yeah, this was not good. I'm gonna say this wasn't a good card. Okay, just uh, cool shit happened on paper. I, mean, I had a good time watching it. Yeah, it, was, like,
2: it was entertaining to watch. It was fun Yeah, but no- nothing
1: of relevance happened. The only thing relevant thing happened to me here. First of all, we're gonna get Manel Copper's Car of France anyway, so whatever. Um Sean Strickland. That's all you really need really to yeah. talk about that happened here. And it was amazing. Good for him. Um someone should tell him you're supposed to keep your guns and ammo. Store separately, I mean, not on your wall.
2: I think that's when you're like driving or something. I learned about that when I had to transport some hey, man, stump, but... I, I still don't think he's Luke, in Luke a Luke in is a Florida Marine. Is Luke here. Thomas is a former Marine. I'm gonna assume he knows what he's talking
1: about. Uh, yeah, By I the mean... way, people are saying like you're a pussy, Luke, and I'm like, Luke served in the Marines. He's not a pussy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 he is not. He knows how to use all those guns that are on the wall. Um UFC's back next week for UFC Noche. Or Noche UFC. I don't understand why they're calling it that. Maybe because they want to call it UFC Fight Night in Spanish, but they didn't want to shove the word Pelea. Is it Pelea, Mike? I believe the reason why they're calling it
0: Noche UFC is because Mexican Independence Day is that weekend.
1: I know it is, but I mean, why? What does Noche just means night? The, 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 no well, Mexican I mean, means. yeah, because there are things that are called no, UFC No, I'm saying you think, they night, would call it, so. you think they would call it Fight Night, not just night. That's all I'm saying. I don't know. It flows yeah. better. Not shade UFC. <laughs> Still one of the worst UFC posters the UFCs ever put on or put together for this fight. I don't understand how who p- okayed this terrible poster. It lo- it looks a little, you bad. know, bad. bad. A little masky,
0: maybe. No, no? It just
1: look. I don't know who d- 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 these women don't deserve what they did to them in these pictures. Um, all right. News wise, the fuck's going on with these two twin with these twins who robbed a guy. Um. Who robbed and, to- and, and, and tortured somebody? Mark, we were talking about this earlier. Um, and it's these twins, uh, Kassan Aska- Ashka- Ashkabab and Hussein Ashkabab have been arrested for kidnap, torture, and extortion, according to local media in Phuket. Um, one of them's 23 and 1, the other one's 23 and 2. The one that was twenty three and two was supposed to fight, his fight just got cancelled. The one who's twenty three and one just made his debut in February. I don't even know what to say, but you I mean don't we don't even know
2: Yeah, what do we, we do. We don't know the details like of like what's official and I guess the UFC is like, Well, we're going to cancel this one fight and wait. It's like you have like a hundred fighters. Like if someone's if someone's getting like, well, then they're gonna wait for him to get convicted, maybe. I know, but fairness. it still is like if you have convictions of kidnapping and torture, it's like you know what? Just cut some uh, dudes. Not they don't have convictions; they have charges. Charges, yeah. You know, i yeah. like you know,
0: innocent this, until proven guilty. Mark. That may not
1: be the law in Thailand. I think in Thailand they would whip out the kendo stick and start whooping your ass immediately. Um, one Rolex well, Daytona watch valued at sixty-eight grand. One Patek Felipe Nautilus watch valued at. Hundred and seven thousand U.S. One Graph Watch valued at forty-five thousand dollars. One MacBook. One iPhone fourteen. This is the good part. One, one and one. One new iPhone fourteen and one new iPhone thirteen. How you still getting new iPhone thirteens, Mike? New. What's going it's on? Thailand, baby. A little behind. <laughs> yeah, you can't do. And, and any also, of that shit. come on.
0: We all have siblings. You, in particular, Bobby. You have a younger brother. These guys
1: got ten million Instagram followers between them.
0: Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, Bobby. When you were younger, right? Um, did your mother ever tell you, Bobby? Uh, you gotta go hang out with your brother. Go, go take Nikon and play. All right? I'll tell you that anyway, I
2: like I like my brother. <laughs> and, then, and then you know you torture a dude. <laughs> we had a good half of them. Well, no. you know what?
0: This these these brothers' mothers at least she's thinking. Well, at least they're doing activities
1: together. Exactly. Um, I don't think we had much else news. We really looked this week, guys. Um, except you know, Tito Ortiz tweeted 9 11 2021, never forget.
2: All right, I mean, we can get behind that. 22 I mean? years ago, I haven't <laughs> forgotten about it yet.
1: So, I mean, things happen. Not wrong. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> if anything, I'm gonna remember it more than I did other times older than this. Um, all right. UFC Fight Night. Uh, Alexa Grasso, Valentina Shevchenko, T-Mobile Arena. These motherfuckers pus- pushed Canelo out of Mexican Independence Day weekend. These the UFC's heat check is this, Mike. The UFC's got two ladies on free PV pushing Canelo out of the out of fucking Mexi- uh, Mexican Independence Day weekend. This is wild. Um, so uh, it was a deeper card when we started, but quite frankly, they got as many, Latino, many Mexicans as they could on this card. Um, no Yair, no Aldana, um, I don't know if they ever booked for it. Um, back in March, right, uh, about a little bit before, uh, John Jones went out there and embarrassed Cyril Ligon, uh, Valentina Shevchenko lost the UFC Flyweight Championship. Um, Alexa Grasso got her with a face crank, um, fourth round, um, 4'34", squeezing for dear life. Valentina's face was turning different colors. It was a wild scene. Um, wasn't necessarily going... Wasn't that one-sided going up to that moment either, if we're being honest with ourselves, that fight. Very competitive. Mm-hmm. The Lobo Gym team really game-planned well for Valentina's striking. I don't think Valentina was striking better than Alexa. Um, Valentina seems to think the only mistake she made was going for that spinning attack that yeah. got her back taken. Don't think that's the case. Um, long-time listeners of the podcast probably figured this out, but let me just say it unequivocally. Valentina Shevchenko is my favorite female fighter ever. There's no close second. It is her. She is my favorite. I truly believe, skill for skill, she is the best, she is the most skilled female fighter that's ever been. Okay? Amanda Nunez is the GOAT. Amanda Nunes beat her twice. She's twice. She's the greatest of all time. But I truly believe nobody has has, has had more skills that has walked into that octagon than Valentina Shevchenko. Um she was outclassed class that night, I think. Honestly. I don't think I think it was best case two 2 if they'd made it to the end of that round, with that fourth round being a 10-8. So um they're rematching here, main event, five rounds. Mike, um, I believe I am three back of you or two and mark's what am I three back and Mike's two? Are mark's two back? Uh just to double check.
0: Everyone, no, not Mark's everyone. Ahead of me. you are three back, and uh, Mark
1: and Chalk are two back. It's fun how it always gets close at the end of the year. We're not even at the end of the year. We've got three and a half months left of this. Now, Mike, I know you pick however you pick, regardless of how I'm going to pick, but yep. I think you got an inkling of where I'm going with this either way, so I'm curious what you're doing. Though I know where Mark's going. I've been grappling with this since the first fight. Who do you think is going to win this fight? Uh, I don't know where mark's
0: going with this. I have an idea where you're going with this and i'm probably going to be joining you on this one I'm going with shevchenko. Uh, you mentioned a lot of the things I thought about when it came to this fight I thought that shevchenko was leading on the scorecards. i um, going into going into the fourth round I did think that grasso had some 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 early successes some like some some really good moments at the beginning of that fight and i do think that shevchenko similar to uh, it reminded me of uh, chris weidman um chris weidman and uh, luke rockhold where she would probably do anything to have that uh, that spin kick back um i think she doesn't throw that and doesn't get taken down as a result of it uh, she retains her title not to say that alexa isn't a world-class athlete i don't want it to seem as if um, i'm bashing on her but i still do think that even though alexa was able to do some good game planning planning against uh, shevchenko i still do think that shevchenko is the the better fighter um she's going to come in with a fire under her having had her first loss in the division, I think, in about five years. Ever. So, for me, I'm going with Shevchenko in this fight.
1: Uh, you guessed wrong. I oh am, wow, for the first time ever, picking against oh. Valentina Shevchenko. It kind of feels dirty doing this on some level, but I don't think Valentina is so slick that she is lying when she says she thinks she only made one mistake. And... There's a couple things and reasons I'm picking against her. One, I think she made much more, many more mistakes than that. Okay, I think that she was getting mm-hmm. outclassed on her feet, quite frankly. Um, also, uh, but for that crucifix, she had uh, she had Grasso in. I don't think this was going particularly well. That gr- that crucifix though was great. She was putting it on Alexa. Um, Valentina's 35 years old now. She turned 35 years old three days after that fight. I firmly believe. That that is a re- relevant statistic in that fighters age fighters 170 pounds and below are three and twenty nine in title fights. Okay, it was two and twenty nine up until Amanda Nunes beat Irene Ar- Ar- Aldana. So we have recent history of somebody bucking the trend. Uh, um, Val- uh, Amanda Nunes was 35 years 13 days old when she beat uh Irene Aldana. Valentina's had a long career, man. She she's got 20, 27 MMA fights. She's got uh I don't know how many dozens and dozens of kickboxing fights. Also, she's been a martial artist since she was like 15, okay? She's been doing this a long time. There's that also. It's also very rare. And again, there's recent examples suggesting otherwise, but in UFC history, you lose the title and get an immediate rematch? It's very hard to get that title back, okay? A lot of times it doesn't work out. Granted, Amanda just did that shit to Juliana Pena. Izzy just did that set to shit to, to Adesanya. I'm not saying this is going to be a walk away, walking away, Alexa's going to trounce or anything like that. I just think enough things are together here, and Alexa keeps getting better. Every one of these fights, she gets better. And people are forgetting, Amanda got out of that Talia Santos fight by the fucking skin of her teeth right she barely got out of that one you could have scored that card mark remember that one you could have scored that one for talia santos and i don't think anybody would have said like that's wrong that was a very very close fight she won there the division's catching up something that like you know if people caught up to izzy is that thing in baseball mike where they say like you know second time around the lineup second or third time through the lineup these people have seen her okay doesn't matter who you are in this sport you people catch up people caught up to mighty mouse these light heavyweights were catching up to John Jones before he got out of Dodge. People were catching up to GSP. People caught up to Anderson Silva. I don't care how dominant you are. People catch off. And maybe you can keep them away for a little bit longer. Maybe she can win this title back. And maybe, you know, she hangs on to it for another fight and Aaron Blanchfield takes it. Or maybe she hangs on to it for, you know, you know another fight and men on for, or two more fights and Menon Firo takes it from her. This is coming to an end one way or another. This reign is coming to an end. Her time in this weight class is coming to an end as a dominant champion. I firmly believe she should go up to 135. I don't understand that they haven't done anything yet, by the way. Amanda retired three months ago. Right? It was May 28th. Yeah. Th- three and a half months ago, Amanda retired. Nobody's moved up. Maybe of Buena Silva testing positive for shit didn't help this. I think Valentina should be moving up to 135. I think she can make some you know, make some body changes and putting on a little bit of weight. I think she is is time to move up. I think this weight class. I think when you. I think it is all cyclical. It is time the weight class builds itself up to create viable contenders eventually for these dominant champions. I think Alexa's winning. Could be wrong, but one way or another, my favorite fighter, my favorite female fighter, Country Mile. No one's even a close second. We're wrapping it up here, and I think. Alexa, that gym, they did such a good job preparing her, man. She's gotten so much better in each one of these fights. She is... I mean, she's not knocking people out. But she's so crisp on her feet. Her grappling has gotten so much better. She is... I'm just incredibly impressed with what what they're doing over there, man. And that gym was taking a lot of shit, man. That gym was getting a lot of shit as these women were coming up. Her and Irene, you know they were such fucking, Mark, they were such fucking dynamos in, uh, her especially in Invicta, that people, she was like 23, and they're like, UFC champ right here, and when it didn't happen immediately, these people took a world of shit. I think she's gonna hold on. I really do. So I got got Alexa getting this done. Decision? Or another, or you know, maybe she submits her again, but I think she's gonna win. Mark, what do you got?
2: Yeah, um, so... I was very fortunate right when I got home. Um UFC put this first fight on. I was and me and Bobby were talking about this, you know, before we did the podcast. And I was like, I was leaning towards Valentina, but like I, I told you like I don't remember the fight super clearly and how it went. So I saw it got posted. I was like, oh, let's give this a watch. I'm more confident Valentina's is going to be able to win this fight and i think a lot of things you said about alexa grasso i think hold a lot of merit i do think you only stay at the top for so long and we're seeing that mm. that top of the mountain start to crumble and she's losing her footing a bit and you know just lost her last fight but watching that fight she was winning that fight and she was winning that fight because she made the adjustments she needed to do because you're absolutely right she was not dominating alexa on the feet like i think a lot of us thought she would i thought her kickboxing mm-hmm. would be able to negate a lot of the stand-up because alexa Grossa does not kickbox she boxes she puts the hands up and what i did like in this fight she's switching stances she's giving different looks in her boxing and she was fearless getting in the pocket and throwing punches down the pipe they in took her landing. check hooker. sorry they took the check hook away from valentina that was what i liked
1: because Valentina lives on that track hook.
2: And it's because Alexa Grosso throws a lot of straight, strong punches. And now when she's switching stances, the 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 trajectory of her power punches are coming from different angles. So it gave a lot to for Valentina to think about. And she made those adjustments. And that's what I really liked watching this first fight. It's like, okay first round was really close alexa i think won it because she landed some good shots and then valentina's like okay we're switching the game plan it's wrestling baby and she started wrestling and she was doing very Mm -hmm. well um now alexa grosso was able to scramble sometimes get back up and ultimately it was you know she was able to catch her on a spinning kick got in that choke and pulled it out you know but And before in that fourth round too, which which gives me a little hesitation, is before that, Valentina was taking her down pretty much at fucking will. You know, she wasn't just spamming takedowns from super far away. She was setting them up nicely, getting good entries and getting nice, clean takedowns. In the fourth, she might have been getting a little tired. She had a sloppy shot, which which Alexander was able to defend off. And then that might have spurred to a spinning kick that wasn't set up very quickly or wasn't set up properly. And Alexa was able to capitalize on that. I feel Valentina now knows going into this fight, this is the game plan. I'm working on wrestling. I'm working on transitions. I'm working on my entries. No sloppy shots, no sloppy kicks. We're going to keep this to the P's and Q's, and I think... Probably not the most exciting fight. I think she's going to try. You think to... she got
1: five rounds of that in her? I hope. By the way, I hope you're right. I do want her to win. She is my favorite fighter. But do you think she's got? Because she got tired against Talia with the same shit. She was taking Talia down and got tired I doing think, that one. I think. I think. a couple fights where she's getting punched in the face a lot in the. I think her, with her, Talia,
2: like the physicality of that opponent tired her out more. I don't think Alexa has that physicality. She's not. I, I think what what Valentina needs to do. Is she's going to need to pressure, which is tough because Alexa Grosso was the one really pressuring. She needs to get if she's not going to get good clean entries on takedowns and get her taken down easily. She needs to use like utilize the clinch, utilize her strength, and try to wear her down on the cage, take her down from there, and, and win the fight that way. So you know, I, I think I think it's an interesting fight. I think Valentina does have a lot of the skills to get it done. I think there's going to be a lot of mental growth on alexa like you said she's getting better she has this win she knows she confidence can is a motherfucker too yeah exactly. confidence is a motherfucker it's, it's a mental game but I, I do think valentina is a mentally strong fighter and i do feel like when you're a dominant champion like that when you're at the top for so long and you fight someone like alexa grasso where everyone's like yeah it's another fight you should win sometimes it's easy to overlook your opponent not that she was um but i think now she, she i would imagine she has the fire underneath her she's like i can I made some mistakes. I can capitalize on those. I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on the things that I think she really showed that she was weak on in the last fight. But I also imagine Grosso is gonna be stronger in those areas too. She's gonna to be practicing. Uh, I defense, think. So. I, I'm bummed that you think it's gonna be boring. I hope it's not. I'm ex- I'm really excited for this one, man. I think if I'm I think Alexa if you're good. right, Bobby, it won't be boring. I think if Alexa Grosso wins this fight, it'll be an exciting fight. I think if Valentina wins this fight, she's gonna to have to utilize these skills. Well, I that, it
1: wasn't. I don't think it was that boring with her taking her down not much as she did. Actually, I thought like Alexa was. Alexa, Odyssey wouldn't give up. Is what made it entertaining. Yeah,
2: really. I mean, it, she just kept fighting right. for like it. The, the stand up portions were fun. When it got on the ground, it was. I mean, they even. I just don't like hearing. I made.
1: I just don't like hearing. I made no mistakes. Just the spinning thing, and I'm like, you are not. I mean, you're right. She was taking her down, but you were. She was not doing well on her feet there. And no, is, I, that
2: was the most surprising. I, I, thing.
1: I don't like when people are like, I don't know. Whenever I, I, I tend to this. I don't think she's so slick to just like be playing a fucking verbal game there. Sure. You know, I just don't like what like. People, just, maybe you gotta tell that to yourself, man. Maybe you gotta think. Mike, are the bills gonna bucket but, this field goal?
0: But it makes you think. Um, if she's thinking, I only made one mistake. Is she having as critical an eye in this rematch as she might? Maybe she should.
1: But honestly, hmm. great team she's part of. Um, pound for pound, by the way, creepiest fan base in MMA. Let's put that out there. The online fan base for uh, Tina Shevchenko, pound for pound, creepiest fan base. Dudes, if you're listening to this, go outside and touch some grass. All right. What you does know? that mean?
0: Go touch some grass. What is reality?
1: That mean? Just get to some reality, man. All right. Take a walk. All right. <laughs> Realize what's going on. Um, okay. Co-ma- um, co-main event. We're already an hour and ten minutes into this. Let's pick this up. Um... Kevin Holland, Jack Della Maddalena, I fucking love this fight. I fucking love this fight. Mike, this fight's going to rule so hard. Um, Kevin Holland talked all, the, talked a bunch of shit and backed that shit up against Michael Chiesa. Love Kevin Holland fighting at 170. Big fan of that shit, okay? Big fan of Kevin Holland fighting at 170. I don't like any time he's talking about going to one eighty five. Jack Della Maddalena went out there against Basil Hafez and had did... It struggled a little bit, Mark, and a lot and a lot of the fucking steam came off of Homeboy here. Um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck.
1: Sorry. Sorry.
2: Some, some football sorry, stuff B- happened B- that no B- one cares B- about B- anymore B- because B- it's Dale. I, I
1: know. My time people I'm, listen to this, I'm the fucking sorry. game is over. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> um Betting on, odds baby. for this. We didn't talk about the betting odds for the first one. I'm sorry, Oh, uh, Valentino was, I think
0: Valentino was minus, up. what was it? Well, uh, I think she was... Valentino was a minus 185 favorite to, oh, I'm sorry, I was looking at uh, DraftKings. On BetMGM, Valentino's a minus 185 favorites. So Alexa
1: Grasso's plus 150 on their dog. It is now minus 165 and plus 140. Money has come in on Miss Grasso. By the way, if you believe in Valentina Shevchenko, you're not going to get better odds than minus 165 ever again if she wins this fight. Yeah, Just put that out there. People call these, my brother calls these moments generational gambling opportunities, by the way. Uh, If you're right, if you're wrong, it's bad. You know, uh, the the Vikings being only four-point favorites was a generational gambling opportunity, and I'm sitting here $50 poorer this week.
0: Not for nothing. If you're calling shit a generational gambling opportunity... (laughs) We have to consider if you're gambling too much.
1: Oh, John Jones against Cyril Gone, generational gambling opportunity. Chiefs being underdogs in a fucking playoff game against the Eagles, generational gambling opportunity. The Rajabi family cleaned up on these two events, folks. Um, <laughs> all right, um, Mike, minus one forty-five for Jack, plus one twenty for Kevin Holland. Who do you got, brother? Um,
0: I'm gonna have Kevin Holland in this fight. I think uh, M- Mata. I'm, 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 gonna
1: have,
0: I'm gonna go with Madalena. I'm gonna go with Jack. You just said uh, Kevin Holland. What happened? Yes, I'm going with Kevin Holland. Well, I'm gonna talk about Jack first.
1: Oh, okay. That's mm-hmm. where I was going with this Okay,
0: um, he is uh, you know, he's a top young guy in the division. He hits really hard um, I think where we have some potential issues and it's literally just the great unknown. We don't know how good his grappling is yet. So, we don't know what type of defense that he has when it comes to that. The other thing we got to consider with Kevin Holland, um there's some research in regards to their bona fides and it comes to their physical stats. He has an 8-inch reach advantage.
1: Um was- Madeline. Thank you. Thank you i was gonna that, say that you took care of that
0: <laughs> i mean he he's not he's not anderson silva in there with his striking but he is still You're pretty dangerous he, yeah he's he's not bad at all he's he's dangerous if he needs to be and eight inches is that is a lot to be giving up when it comes to, to a reach advantage there and he is very good at grappling as well so this leads me to believe that jack his avenues to winning winning this fight is He's gonna have to try to get in, get in the pocket against Kevin Holland, and if he does that, that's gonna open him, himself up to either get hit on the way in and then grappled um, before he gets into the pocket. So, I think this fight will eventually end in a submission for Kevin Holland.
1: Look, I have Kevin Holland's gone to this point before, and I've made this mistake enough times. So I'll happily make it again. I got Kevin Holland again. I just like have. I just. This sport is a real what-have-you-done-for-me-lately game. And Kevin Holland's looking good, man. And Kevin Holland talking about his commitment and the team around him. And he's gotten real serious with every part of his game. I like hearing all that. I thought he looked so good against Chiesa. I thought he was going to win that fight, but, Mark, he trounced him. That was a (laughs) slaughter. And I thought he looked great against Nibio. That Wonderboy one didn't go so great, especially after he hurt his fucking hand. I, I like Kevin Holland this one, man. I know Jack is good. It's a real chance Jack puts him on a puts his fucking on his chin and we're going in you know, a night night here. Cause Jack hits like a fucking, you know, br- fucking truck with his eleven knockouts and fifteen wins. Kevin Holland's not a Bassana fighter. Kevin Holland's is a well rounded fighter. Jack Kevin Holland's biggest weakness has been getting taken down. And Jack's not doing that. He might still lose Kevin Holland, but his biggest weakness is not Jack Della Modelena's strength. So got Kevin Holland getting it done here somewhere or another.
2: Marcus, we're both picking the underdog here, me and Mike. There's an opportunity for you to pick coming up here. What do you think? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm going with Jack. Um, I think it's a really good fight. I think it's really interesting stylistically. And it'll be good to see how Jack performs here, you know, with his last fight. Yeah, not going super great for him. Um, it was a big, strong guy who was able to utilize the wrestling. So de- definitely that's a concern here. And like you guys pointed out, like Kevin Holland is very slick on the ground. Um. And when it comes to the stand-up, like, he's got a lot of power. He's going to have that range. What I kind of see happening is Jack is going to, to keep it tight. And once he gets him against that cage, that range gets a little less important, right? As long as he doesn't walk right Good into call. it. And it's when he gets him against the cage where he does a lot of his work. It's where it's, he's going to go to the body and he's going to mix up the punches. And that's where Holland potentially could have some issues, right? Um, that could also be opportunities where that's where he's going to shoot. That's where he's going to have to be forced to grapple. Um, and Holland's really strong in those areas. So I, I think it is a very close fight. I think it's a very winnable fight for Kevin Holland. Um, I do feel like Jack's last fight should have kind of opened his eyes to some of the things where he was kind of missing out on. You know, like his his grappling and his wrestling were a little back but where they needed to, to be to kind of contend with some of these guys. And also you look at who he's fought in the UFC. He hasn't really fought. The the caliber and the amount of high level guys that Kevin Holland has right, who's he's been in the, he's been in the organization for a long time. He's fought a lot of tough guys at eighty five and at one seventy. And look, there's there's some losses in here, but they're all very respectable. You look at the guys that he lost to. It's like, well, th- these are top food chain guys, or these are guys that are top food chain at one hundred eighty five pounds, where it's not really his b- best weight class. So this is a really fun fight. This is easily the best guy Jack has fought. Oh no yeah, question by by, by, by hands far. down. Yeah, Country ha- mob. G- great, great skill set. And it's, it's going to be a, a big test. Um, we'll see if he gets past it. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take Jack in this one.
1: Yeah. Remember when they told us that they didn't pay any of those guys extra to take all those fights on two days notice when the whole like cams reshuffling happened? And then Kevin Holland was tweeting pictures of just bad of just money sign emojis for like fucking hours after the fight announcement. I love Kevin Holland. I love Kevin Holland. He's such a fucking clown. (laughs) Inviting bullies he can beat up and shit like that. It's great. Um, All right. Uh, Real quick. Raul Rosas, Terrence Mitchell. We all got Raul Rosas Jr. getting back on track here. Yeah, let's just this kid. Yes, I mean I figure the UFC booked him against somebody who can't possibly lose to him. I mean, look, I I like like, I like this guy. He's got
2: seventeen fights, but I looked him up. They're all in Alaska. Look, I'm I'm not saying that that the fight game in Alaska is not top tier or something, but like I I could look at that and be like, okay, I don't really know what's going on.
0: Hey, the Dagestani's wrestle bears. Alaskans wrestle moose. Okay. Yeah. What was that guy?
1: Yeah, what was hey, the name of that tra- guy? Remember the guy from Ultimate Fighter uh, who was from Alaska and he kept doing the guillotine? He just, like, looked Cody fat. McKenzie. That guy, yeah.
0: Do you remember before the Reebok deal when he went into a fight with some, like, just straight-up big five white, shorts?
1: Ba- like, white <laughs> basketball <laughs> shorts. Yeah, just big five shorts. And I'm like, I got those shorts. <laughs> those are three for fucking 20. <laughs> and Marshalls. <laughs> Oh man, I'm mean, fucked the Reebok deal. That was some what a I still blame this whole thing on when Dennis Hallman showed up in a speedo to fight. <laughs> you know. Yep, that happened. Mike turn around. Um
0: Yo, if you may, or, if you may, if you're making me turn around. Turn around, see... Mike.
1: Mike turn around. <laughs> well, um right. just keep watching. Um All right. Uh I think we're doing stuff we like then. Yeah, let's wrap it um, up. Um all right, I'll go. Um,
2: I'm waiting for Mike to make a noise.
1: Um, so oh, I got guard.
2: Oh! <laughs> you should mute him. You should unmute himself and then look and watch the game. This that again your- happened yesterday. No one gives a fuck. is watching?
1: It <laughs> um, I watched Guardians of the Galaxy three. I yes. had, I know I'm talking about a movie that's maybe five months old at this point. Um, sorry guys, week one. Guardians of the Galaxy Three, really good, yeah. really good. I almost cried like three different times in Guardians oh, of the Galaxy yeah. Three. Um, our uh, Stefan, you know, member of the team here, when he was birthday on the fourteenth, right? That's right. Stefan's birthday's so coming up this weekend. Yeah, we said st- like a month ago, we're like, "You want to thing for your birthday?" And he said nothing. So now we don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, he said the movie's really, if you uh, movie's rough, if you're an animal lover. I think if you're a decent human being the movie's rough jesus you don't have to even love animals um it was just really good man i thought it was really good i wish nathan fillion had more stuff to do just putting that out there when he was in there i enjoyed him um i don't know who the kid playing uh what's the name of the guy uh warrock or whatever adam
2: um yeah he's on oh, Breaking Bad I, I know and... who
1: you're talking about um yeah Yeah, I I enjoyed that guy. I think uh, Mantis is hilarious in these movies. I think she's so good. Uh, Palm, I forgot her last name. Palm something or another. Um, Batista is always my favorite favorite part of these movies, hands down. Batista's so funny. Um, I thought it was really good, and I thought that uh, there was a little bit more violent than the other ones, unless I'm not remembering the other ones, Mike, but I felt there was a little more like, some couple of, like gross shit going on here a couple of times in this movie, man.
0: I don't know. Well, none of the other movies had Rocket with like a big gaping wound in his chest. So, well, not I would even that, but
1: like that. the fucking pig man's head got ripped off. Like that was that thing. And uh, I don't know. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was great. And I, what's the name of uh, Sean Gunn's character? The um, uh, guy. You know, I'm talking about
2: Mark, the guy who was like who number two. About. I don't he know what joined... his character's name is. He got like the yeah. whistle thing from.
1: Yeah, he's always good in these two, man. He's yeah. good. Everybody plays their roles great. Pratt might be doing... Pratt is good, too, man. I know people are down on Pratt in general, but I thought Pratt did a good job. Um, I just think it's great that Karen Gillian plays... Um, what's her name? Nebula? Uh, Nebula, and she's just like... You ever see Karen Gillian and anything else she's ever been Oh, in? unrecognizable. It's in no way. Uh, unrecognizable. Doesn't sound like that. Doesn't act like that. Just a stunning... Tall redheaded woman is playing this half robot woman. It's, you know, I just think she's so talented. I these movies are so good, and it's going to be unfortunate that they're not making any more of them. Um, it's not much of a spoiler alert, but at the end they do say uh, Star Lord will return. Doesn't say the Guardians of the Galaxy will return, you know. So we'll see what happens there. Um, I just, you know what I. I always found the Guardian movie, Mike, to be the Ds to be the Marvel heat check. When they put out the first Guardians movie, they were just like, "We're gonna make a movie about this comic book no one's ever fucking heard of." And you know, they put a trailer out, Mike, and they had a fucking raccoon on a tree monster shooting a machine gun. And I said, "I'll see you guys at the theater." Like that was it. And I think, like it, it was my favorite one up until Black Panther. That was my favorite Marvel movie. I think the first Guardians, up until Black Panther, it was the most fun I had. I think it might still be the most fun I had watching any of these movies. First oh, Iron Man was a lot sure. of fun too. First Iron Man was a lot of fun too because I didn't we didn't know what we were getting into, but like, I had a lot of fun, you know, with Guardians. I had a lot of fun, you know. That was... So with Guardians,
0: right from the first five to ten seconds, you're like, oh, I'm in on this movie. When you realize very quickly, oh. It's just a soundtrack of 80s movies that, uh, that, you know, runs through this
1: whole movie. And, dude, music is so important when you're making a movie. And, like, you have a good soundtrack. There's some movies where I look back on, like, Garden State when I was a kid. I loved it. This is a wild change, but I remember when Garden State came out and I fucking loved it. And now, if I ever see Garden State, I'm like, movie's good, but I think I just like the soundtrack a lot. <laughs> like, the soundtrack was excellent. Soundtrack's so good in these movies. James Gunn kills it. Um, yeah, man, I thought it was excellent. I really thought it was really... I thought 3 was great. I liked 3 more than 2, and I did, I liked 2. I know some people didn't like 2. I thought 2 was just not as good as 1. That was the problem with Guardians of the Galaxy 2, to be honest. 1 existed, you know? By itself, fine movie. Uh, but yeah, I watched Guardians. Um, that was really it. Besides that, MMA, you know, watching some wrestling. Watch Collision. Just saying. It's a good show. Is it? I don't think yeah. I've watched the one episode It's of a really different show, Mike. It's interesting. It's a very different style of show. Dynamite is more, like, frantic. And Collision is, like, the show starts and they literally have an interview with, they have, like, two, like, promos from the two guys in the main event. Like, it reminds me of watching older wrestling where there's, like, tonight, FTR takes on the ass boys and we're gonna show them da-da-da-da-da. And then it cuts to the ass boys and the ass... That's not their name mark. That's not them. Now I'm getting interesting. It's, it's, Billy, Go- it's, it's Billy Gun's, it's, 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 oh, it's okay, Billy Guns kids. Sense. They're called the Gun Club, but the crowd chants ass boys at them. They're fucking excellent. But yeah, it's like it's more of a pace like that. And um if that's the show Brian Danielson is gonna be on most of the time, I will happily watch it. And they announced Zack Saber Jr. versus Brian Danielson, which is a goddamn dream match. Um, they give out every year the fans, the wrestlers and fans vote in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Awards every year for Best Technical Wrestler. And Brian Danielson had won it so many times in a row, they called it, they renamed it the Brian Danielson Award. And then Zack Sabre Jr. started winning it more times than Brian Danielson did until Brian Danielson came back from retirement and won it again. And the fact that these two are going to wrestle, someone's going to be a pretzel at the end of it. Is my, is my theory right now, Mark. Someone will be a pretzel when this match is over. I'm always Very Zach, excited. So. Yeah, Zach, Zach. Uh, you like the way that they announce his name, too, in uh, Japan. Zach Sabre Jr. Now, I like the, the chant
2: people do for him. Yeah.
1: All around, he's got yeah. cool leather jacket. He's also gotten much good better on the mic. He's a real fucking prick. It's great. He's All these British dudes have gotten great on the mic. Him and Osprey. Anyway. I like collision but i'm also excited for brian danielson versus uh during versus uh zach saber jr at the end of the month so anyway mike what do you got this week
0: well one thing i don't like is the fact that nia Jax apparently came back to wwe so uh be careful if you're a fan of uh mommy because she's in a feud with her now so oh god 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 bless thoughts and prayers to whatever body part um you know rhea ripley likes because i'm just seeing the two moves that she did in this little promo i'm seeing on the wwe instagram page both of them look like they really hurt so you know fingers crossed anyway besides that I have gotten into a kick on watching
2: the Conjuring movies. You guys, uh, you guys know mm-hmm. about those movies. Yeah, you were telling us last week. Yes, you are Catching up. You want wanna...
0: to? Last... Was I saying that last well, you're, week? You're, you're, you
2: are You were trying to get to the Nun two, so you watched Nun one. Right. All right. So apologies for maybe doing a repeat. However,
0: I am still in the process of watching the movies. So I believe I watched one more this week. Oh, two actually. So if, from the last time we spoke. I watched both two of the Annabelle movies. Mm. Um the first Annabelle movie and then Annabelle Creation. So probably not this week because I'll be heading down to Tampa on Thursday, but probably sometime next week uh girlfriend and I will watch uh whatever's the next movie that came out um in the theaters. I think it's actually the, nu- the first The Nun movie. So looking forward to that. Um, I am a total coward when it comes to horror movies. Um, I do the thing where I just so happen when the scary parts come, I start look researching something on my phone or that's the moment I take to take very vigorous swigs of my seltzer. So my girlfriend gets a real big kick out of that. And she's been a little raising of her eyebrows as to why I'm the one that wants to watch these movies. But in her words, she's not complaining about it because she loves watching horror movies. She normally has to um, convince me to watch them. So I've really been enjoying it. uh, Mainly because the stories for these horror movies have actually been pretty good i've liked how on these prequels they've done a good job of connecting the dots between these movies and later movies so i've really enjoyed that um good stories so i'll probably be saying i like the nun in about two weeks as well
2: there you go
1: mr paris
2: yeah um a little late to the to the to the party because it just came out on playstation but uh last week Uh, Baldur's Gate 3 finally came out on PlayStation and you know I think I mentioned last week you know me and Christine are in the process of moving so that's kind of taken priority so it did it wasn't until the weekend we were finally able to start it up Um, and luckily we're playing I'm playing locally with Christine and then we're playing online with my brother-in-law Sean and then um, our family friend Chris who's basically our that's basically the the people we play D&D with anyway so it's basically just our D&D party Um, and, and there's some hoops You have to kind of jump through to get all that to work. There's a certain process that you have to follow to get those people into your game. um, And that took a little bit of a learning curve. Luckily, Sean figured that all out before we had to start. So we kind of knew what we had to do. And then when we played a second session yesterday, we learned that for PlayStation, we have to get in the party first before we jump in the game, because if we were in the game, the party wouldn't work. So there's definitely some like technical issues um, with the game just to get it kind of up and running the way you want, but... Like the zeitgeist has been for this game. It is really fun. Um, you know, and I, I was, I was always lukewarm on it. Um, ever since, I mean, when it was announced, Larry, I knew who Larian was because I had played Divinity Original Sin 1 and 2. I thought, them taking up the boulders gate franchise which is like you know renowned for those that really had had played the older games it was a match made in heaven but leading up to it i wasn't super excited i just know how big and dense these games are and I, I tend not to finish them so i wasn't even planning on getting it but everyone was so excited it got all this fervor. and now that i'm playing it i'm thoroughly enjoying it it is so authentic to just playing DD. um if anything i wish they had more DD stuff in it you do get to do some d20 uh rolls when you're doing skill checks but like i wouldn't mind it when you're doing attack and and um damage if you also got to roll the dice that's part of the fun of DD, is like when you're going to try to hit some fool and you need that crit and you get that crit that's an exciting moment the game kind of does it behind the the the, um, the scenes which is totally fine um but overall it's just like it's super well written the especially for a crpg like this um, the production values are really high because that's something where these games tend to really lack is kind of like having a conversation with an NPC and actually getting in on that character model. Usually you have a very top-down view and you might have a little portrait of your character and there's just a text box or something. like This is fully voiced, fully mo-capped when you're talking to somebody, and the writing's fantastic. Um, and the battle system is... For D and D, there's a lot of things that you can do on a given turn, and you usually have a lot of options. And obviously, when you're playing a tabletop game, because you're not so grounded into like a core either digital format or whatever, like you have a lot of freedom to say like, oh, I want to try doing this or that, and the DM can kind of work with you to what's feasible and not. Now you don't have that level of flexibility in this game, but you do have a lot of abilities, and they make it very clear what you can do on your turn, right? And and, and they did kind of cut. A lot of the rules and a lot of the nitpicky stuff. Cause, you know, we, we. Often play Pathfinder, which is technically D&D 3.5 edition. And there's all kinds of rules about melee combat and range combat and switching weapons and having ammo. And you can kind of get grounded down in that stuff when you're playing the actual game. But when it's in a video game format, it's very clear. You do these actions. You did that action. You can do one more action or you can do a bonus action. These are the ones that are still available to you. It, it, It flows very smoothly. It makes it a very easy process, especially for someone who hasn't played. And then someone who has played, it, it's like, oh great, I could switch from my melee weapon to my range weapon, and it doesn't take a turn or it doesn't take a move action. There's, you know, it's very fluid and very easy to get into. So we've only played about five hours. Um, so we're very early on to it. But it's it's been really exciting. Um, and I can see just, you know, why it has garnered so much positive attention, which is really cool because CRPGs have been a very difficult type of role-playing game to kind of penetrate the mainstream so i think boulder's gate is going to open that door for a lot of people and there's a couple other ones coming out that i'm also excited for there's a warhammer 40k rogue trader one that i think looks really cool and i'm 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 excited for that um development and that company to kind of ride the curtails of boulder's because i have imagine when that game comes out people are gonna be like well i finished boulder's gate i've had two or three playthroughs, I kind of want something different and a diff- different setting. And these other CRPGs can kind of come in and be like, well, you know, it's not going to be the same quality. It's just not. It's a d- completely different universe. It doesn't have the production values. Um, but now that people are kind of familiar with how these games work, might be more willing to to try something like a Rogue Trader. Um, I would have to mention if I wasn't already in the process of moving and if Baldur's Gate 3 wasn't already so captivating and, and, and taking up the little extra free time I've had, there's a damn good chance I would have bought an Xbox just to play Starfield right now because I am so enthralled with what I've seen, just on a visual aesthetic front with that game. Um, you know, this is the the newest game from Bethesda that came out technically last week. I think came out early access a couple days before that. Um, you know, and it's very much a Bethesda RPG, much in the in the vein of like a Fallout and to a lesser extent Skyrim, where there's just lots of Detail and lore and NPCs and quests, but uh, again like the thing that's really blown me away is just like the visual aesthetic of this game Where it kind of has this like I mean they call it NASA punk, but it is very much like It's almost like a eight like a 1980s NASA like aesthetic taken to like a few I mean it's it's a weird Mendling of like old how like you know spaceships are kind of constructed and looked like in sci-fi, but also f- somewhat futuristic too. It, it, it really scratches an itch. And, um, you know, it is a, an Xbox and a PC exclusive game. So, you know, can't get it on PlayStation, can't get it on Switch. Um, and it has me contemplating getting an Xbox, you know, I, you know and I mean, maybe a PC. I mean, PCs kind of a bigger thing. Um, you know, it's, it's a little bit more expensive and I'm kind of heading at ex- ex- Xbox just because I do have a bunch of old 360 games. I want to play Undisputed 3 because I didn't mention it. They had the reveal trailer for the new UFC 5 game. It was just CG and it still kind of looked like shit. <laughs> And then they, there's, I'm on the Reddit, and someone leaked a, a like, like a 10 second clip of Max, uh, not Max, it was um Alexander Volkov, ground and pounding Max Holloway. The biggest problem with UFC 4 is their ground and pound animation looked like absolute garbage. It just looks so stiff, so unnatural. It's so unsatisfying to win a fight that way, or even just to ground and pound somebody, because it just looks so fake and phony and just bad and just cheap. And the one thing I really wanted them to fix was that. And it sounds like they've adjusted how the grappling works, like the ground game and how you get submissions. They haven't shown it yet. But just watching that ground and pound, I was just like, they didn't change a goddamn thing. And I'm still probably going to buy that fucking game. Um, but it's so disappointing because it's one thing. I mean, look, don't. I, Come EA, on, Mark. EA, don't buy it. No, I just wait there. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait for what? For them? to someone else to make a combat for, game? No one makes
1: no, combat wait November. Games. Wait for it to get half hot and half off in November.
2: I mean, maybe, but I mean, the thing is like, I like combat sports games are like, that's the melding of the two things I love. And there's not, they don't make, they don't make fight nights anymore. There's nothing. So it's just like, it's just really shitty because it's not like a Madden or an NBA game where it's like, they have to do it every year. So they can only do so many increments and so many adjustments. It's like, it's been three years since the last UFC game. Like, you need to fix that. So, I mean, we'll see. There's supposed to be a gameplay trailer. I think they're going to show later this week. Also, there's rumors that there's going to be an, a Nintendo Direct this week. And there's going to be a state of play potentially this week. So, there could be some good stuff coming up. And PlayStation kind of needs something. Because Spider-Man's coming out. That looks what? super cool. Oh, but, man. spider everyone's sick. Yeah. But everyone's <laughs> kind of like, yo, like, Starfield just came out. Like, what do you got for me, PlayStation? Like, I got a PS5. There hasn't been a lot of, like exclusive games from first party on that system. It's like, look, you have Final they Fantasy got, They 16, got a PS
1: Plus price increase for you. What do you and mean? they, they, and they just you raised the, the price.
2: weeks ago. And they raised the price what 20 bucks a year. What you just told you. We're gonna yes, pay more money. They're, that's, they're uh, squeezing you. Yes. last week. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, a, a lot of people are like, okay, validate my my big expense here. So, we'll see. Um, but yeah, that's what I got this week.
1: Well, I'm just gonna say, Valentina and uh, Volkanovsky are on the cover of the regular edition. Oh, Izzy's on God. the Izzy is on the deluxe edition. Now, Mike, if Izzy lost and then Valentina loses, how much are we betting on Tuporia versus Volkanovski? Nothing, right? We're not crazy? I'm not. I can't. Uh, Even though Alex is is also 35. To that point, Bob,
2: (laughs) in the CG trailer where they have their two cover athletes, Valentina and Alex... They're losing to Amanda Nunes and losing to Islam. It's like he just fought Yair and smoked him. Why don't you put that in it your stupid great. CG trailer? <laughs> and then Izzy, of course, is the the the, the deluxe. Hey, yeah, pay wh- some extra does, cash. Get this Poetan, big loser up here.
1: Why does Poetan look like he has an axe wound on his eye when he fought in the in the, in the trailer? Know. What is that?
2: What what pisses <laughs> me off the most, Bob, is like that trailer's CG. Right, it's not in game. Oh, okay, okay. So technically, they say it's it's in game, but it's not like of actual gameplay. Well, they footage. fucking lie to us. But I mean, it, it, which it probably it probably is. I, I think it's going to look like the, the character models. I think are going to look great. I think the damage, which is like a new thing they're they're touting, is going to look great. What I don't like is like the the animation just looks so bad and go look at the first THQ CG trailer where it was Chuck and Quentin Jackson. That still looks better than anything we've ever gotten. <laughs> it's like, why can't we have, like, when he gets hit and they, like, actually have... THQ made how so many out.
1: games for them?
2: They made three. Yeah, this dispute the the, three. The three.
1: disputed... Undisputed, Undisputed, Undisputed. They, yeah.
2: they might have made some before that, actually. I don't know okay. if they were making them before.
1: No game at EA, EA Sports. This is their fifth crack at this, coming out?
2: Yeah, this will be fun. Right?
1: Yeah. And they had EA, um, they they had have, EA have MMA made, before. So, not counting that. EA MMA. Mm-hmm. Or fuck it, let's count that. They have had five cracks to make a game better than EO UFC Undisputed 3 and they're 0 for mm-hmm. 5.
2: Yeah. I think EA and the first one might the have been 5. their best one because they had all the different rule sets. You had a Prime, yeah. you had Valley Judo, which you could go 20 minutes with head Is there a stuff. way
1: for me to play UFC Undisputed 3 on PlayStation 5? No. Can I?
2: No, no the game's not
1: available anywhere, is it? Nope. Huh?
2: It's impossible. On your 360. You can because it's backwards compatible. I mean, on your I Xboxes, you can, because you can play an old 360 game with the disc because they never did it d- digitally either. So, yeah, yeah,
1: that was the that was the best one, man.
2: Yeah, I remember when your when you
1: got when, you, when, you, when your career was getting a little bit tough, you went to Pride because everybody was worse than Pride. You go win that Pride real quick. tournament, yeah. Why not? You beat up Gary Goodridge. You beat up you know Bob Sapp. You knock a couple of these guys out real quick. You just get them down. And you go with the knees to the head. God bless. All right. Um... We are going to be back next week. I is it are we finally done with this every week? There's a card. Do we finally get a break? Is that what's next?
2: No. There's no. one next week too. Yeah.
1: Uh this one's actually fucking Fizé versus Gamrod rules. That's a fight. Definitely deserves to be in front of people. Let's put out the Apex. Bryce Mitchell versus Dan Ige. Definitely deserves to be around in front of people. Let's put out the apex. Mizuki in a way versus Hannah Goldie also happening on there. She's popular as well. Anyway, all right. We're gonna see if we got a new um UFC women's flyweight champion or not. I hope that we do and that I'm wrong. Hope the boys are right, both right. But we'll see. We will see. And uh the UFC makes it out of this year making zero visits to Mexico with now zero Mexican champions. Be a real achievement, huh Mark? Just a real achievement sure. in poor scheduling. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Poor schedule. They had it for a sec.
1: Personally, I will be having tacos. Not even being funny. I plan to have tacos. Why not? Whether I am making the tacos or I am ordering tacos is yet to be determined. My girlfriend might be more adventurous about this than I am because at this point, I'm a big fan of having them bring me the tacos. But we can do either.
2: I'm up for either. You made some damn anyway, good tacos in the past. I think I it's know, a win-win either that way. That really Bob, worked so. out well.
1: That really worked out well. <laughs> Fell ass backwards into that recipe, too. Just guessing. All right. We'll be back next week uh, to celebrate. Pre- preview of his A versus Gamrot. Fight the fucking rules. And right now, I don't know who I'm picking. Um, enjoy UFC or Noche UFC this weekend, a.k.a. UFC Fight Night Grasso versus Shevchenko, to a.k.a. UFC Fight Night Fuck You Canelo. It's probably another name that could have gone with this thing. Um. Until then, I was Dr. Law, that was DJ Mark, and that was Lavender Gooms, who had a brief moment of happiness before the realities of the New York Jets uh, season will, will set in at some point. It, it has Thank already. Mm-hmm. Ah, no, he'll be fine. He'll be back in a month. Ankle sprain, I'm sure. All right. Thanks for listening. Peace out. Mm-hmm. See ya.